0: Hello and welcome to Grace Church Vienna. Today we celebrate Mother's Day and for that reason Hans-Georg sermon is focused on the seeds a mother plants. Taking 2 Timothy 1 verses 1-7 as a guideline, what can we learn about the impact of Timothy's mother on his later life? Join us as we will learn more about the seeds planted by his mother, namely transparent tenderness, authentic Christianity, inner confidence, demonstrated love and self-control. Join us now. What a privilege to celebrate that very special day of Mother's Day. I think it's celebrated all around the globe in different countries, in different dates. So here in in Austria, it's uh, celebrated uh, this year on the 8th of uh, May, 2022, and uh, when I look at uh, my mum, I um, think of uh, some of her sayings. I mean, my mum is gone, and uh, one of the saying of my mum was, "A steady drop hollows a stone." Can you imagine? Um, that really formed my thinking. A steady drop hollows a stone and that's rather uh, exciting um, because imagine a, a drop I mean there's not much power in it but over years and years and years we can see there is a, a hole uh, in it and um, so this morning <clears throat> we'd like to ponder A little bit uh, on on these kind of uh, thoughts. Um, She cooks, she cleans, she comforts, she corrects, she has six pairs of hands and eyes in the back of her head. A mother. For some this word mother performs a magic Im- image, complete with a lace apron and pearls singing lullabies, baking brownies, kissing away a child's hot tears. Others envision another model of a mother who drives a wood panelled stationed wagon and whose hobby is dust. Um, at least when I think of my mum, well that was her favourite, you know, to get rid of the dust in the in the house. Tough and tender. Wise and warm. A mother must be all things to all her family at all times. Now, looking uh, at uh, a job description, that's a big job description, isn't it? And anyone who is a mother or has watched one in action knows there is no carrier more demanding or more endangered in today's society. Well, today, as mentioned, is Mother's Day, two thousand twenty-two. Let us look closely at some um, key qualities scattered um, like seeds through to Timothy one one to seven. That these spef- special women plant in the lives of their children. As we look at uh, to Timothy, the Apostle Paul penned his letter to his co-workers, close friend Timothy, like shackles in dark Roman dungeon near the end of his life. Yet it is here in this, as I would call it, um, a living coffin for the condemned that Paul wrote one of his most warmest, most personal letter. In fact, it was his last letter. The last letter of the New Testament is to Timothy. And in 2 Timothy 1, 1, 2, 3, we read Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ, Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, that's what Paul wrote, whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers Day and night. What a warm kind of loving way to express oneself to a spiritual child. I love it. it. It's so meaningful and I would love to communicate it this morning. This is how Paul communicates to his spiritual child Timothy. And we know, and we've talked about it here in Acts uh, sixteen one. Timothy had a Jewish mother and a Greek father. So when Paul addressed him here as beloved son, he's referring to their spiritual kinship. For Paul had personally discipled, we've talked about discipleship, remember uh, last uh, Sunday, um, he discipled Timothy and they had traveled extensively together as missionaries. So special was his relationship that even in his last days, and that's very special. Paul remembered Timothy in his prayers when? Night and day. He was, he was so affectionate, his love to, to his spiraled high, um, uh, child Timothy, that he remembered him constantly. He was in the front of his mind day and night, night and day. And he remembered also, and this is why I picked it up this morning, he remembered some of the seeds that were planted in uh, through Timothy's mother and grandmother. In, in the verses that follow this first um, part of 2 Timothy 1, we shall discover the qualities that drew the apostle to forge a, or hammer out a 15-year friendship with this um, devout young man. Qualities Timothy learned from his mother. Learned from his mother. Uh, and the first thing he certainly learned, and we pick that up from verse. For in the second part of verse 4 in 2 Timothy was a transparent tenderness. A transparent tenderness. For we read in 2 Timothy uh, 1, For even as I recall your tears, so I may be filled with joy. Paul remembers Timothy's tenderness. Well, I think uh, some men would object uh, to call a man tender. But Paul remembers Timothy tenderness, so please men amongst us think about it. Timothy was tender, a trait that is cultivated by example rather than precept. And most often it is the mother's example that encourages tenderness in a child. For generation, at least here in Europe, and I think also uh, maybe of North America, boys have been raised to believe that men... Do not cry. What do you think? Would you object? That they should be tough, not tender. Toughness and tenderness have been mistakenly been seen as mutually exclusive qualities and yet two of history's manliest men. David and the Lord Jesus displayed moments of great tenderness. David wept openly and we read about it a wept openly about Jonathan in 2 in 1 Samuel 20:41 we read after the boy had gone David got up from the south side of the stone and bowed down before Jonathan three times with his face to the ground then they kissed each other and wept together but David wept the most King David repeatedly cries throughout the Psalms. We quote very often the Psalms when we do, uh, when we bury people because the Psalms are so expressive about our feelings. They talk about them. They don't hide them away as we would usually do. And John, to, uh, Jesus too, he He wept over the death of his friend Lazarus. In John 11, 33 to 35, we read, When Jesus saw Mary weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved. So that was an expression of his heart that came out through his tears. He was Deeply moved in spirit and troubled when, have you laid him, he asked. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And it says clearly, Jesus wept. In Luke 19, 41, we read, as he approached Jerusalem, another one, and saw the unrepentant city of Jerusalem city, he wept over it. He expressed his feelings, his heart feelings. Um, and, and you could see him weeping. All the disciples, at least Luke saw it. You know how tears came down. And and he was worried, completely worried about it. The Lord Jesus tenderly set child his lap, touched untouchable lepers and compassionately fed hungry followers. Dear mom, sitting here at Grace Church or listening somewhere else um, around the globe, do not lose that quality of transparent tenderness. Do not lose transparent tenderness. This is, in fact, one of your greatest contribution to your daughter as well as to your son, your warm embrace, your Eager smile and soft reply will be safe harbor for, a chi- for the child who is tossed and battered by life's stormy seas. Transparent tenderness. Transparent tenderness. A second seed, we're talking about seed, planting a seed, the mother plants a seed. Um, Timothy's mother planted several scenes. So the second one was, was authentic Christianity. Authentic Christianity. For we read in 2 Timothy 1.5, we, we read, For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, And I'm sure that it is in you as well, authentic Christianity. The Greek word for sincere is anupokritos. Anupokritos means unhypocritical. His faith had Some extraordinary authentic quality to it. A quality first modeled for him by Grandma Lois and then by his mother, Eunice. Paul goes on to exhort Timothy to continue in the faith he learned in his childhood. So in 2 Timothy 3, we read again, you... However, continue. Get on with that job. Do it. Continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you, You, the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. In our fast food, hurry up world, people want authentic faith instantly. Instant coffee. And all the instant things we would like to have, I want to have it now. don't want to wait for it. I want to have it now. But the genuine faith Timothy demonstrated did not spring up overnight. No, it didn't. It was cultivated over the years. And you know where? At home. In his home where he lived with his mom, grandmom and so on superficiality so, is the curse of our age i believe the doctrine of instant satisfaction is a primary spiritual problem indeed the desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people but for deep people going to the deep end. Authentic faith or artificial fruit, which one are you cultivating in your homes? Authentic faith or artificial fruit? Which one... Are we cultivating in our homes? Let me tell you, fake fruit may be pleasing to the eye, but it lacks the taste of nourishment and it takes time. I mean, we had lots of these um, fruits in in Papua New Guinea uh, and they took time to grow. The sweetness takes time. It does not come overnight. And you take, I mean, if we eat some of these uh, ananas or whatever, pineapples or, or whatever, that we get here um, in Austria and compare the sweetness um, that we had in Papua New Guinea, it's beyond comparison, isn't it? Um, so it takes time. The sweetness takes time, artificial Fruit, it looks the same, it doesn't look different. But authentic faith, deep faith, is homegrown over a lifetime. It doesn't come overnight. So the third seed relates to Timothy's self esteem that is inner confidence. In 2 Timothy 1, 6-7, these last verses of today's uh, sermon, um, and for this reason, Paul writes, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given you a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Paul reminds this probably somewhat um, intimidated new pastor of two very important things namely that is the gift he has of god god has given him and that god has given him not a spirit of timidity but of power and love and discipline. Here, Paul helps Timothy, timid Timothy, to overcome his shyness and to regain his inner confidence by appealing to his strength. Now, that's something we do quite often, as we do um, uh, talk to uh, people that go overseas. We ask, you know, where are your weaknesses and where are your strengths? And we support them in their strength. We push them forward. Develop them further. Don't ponder on your weaknesses. And that's exactly what Paul does here. Now, clear the text is clear that Timothy's spiritual gift came through Paul's ministry as we read it in 6. But the authentic faith of this home cultivated the soil in which that gift was flourished. God gives power and he gives it very effectively through our roots. He builds confidence through the impact of our parents, mom, and I dare to say dad as well. Both are important. A primary way to build confidence in children is to equip them with strengths they can draw from in times of weakness. Obviously, as the time Paul wrote, Timothy was going through a period of of a kind of a withdrawal as a result of something he must have feared. Instead of focusing on that fear, um, on the negative and criticizing him, because that would be natural, you know, criticizing, picking things out and going against a person. We can learn so much from Paul, how he did and encouraged people. Instead of doing this, Paul gives him a positive Encouragement, based on certain strength, Timothy had already within him. What a great testimony. I just love that. And, and we can draw from for our, for our personal life from how Paul did that with Timothy. And the fourth seed planted by um, Timothy's heart was... Demonstrative love. Look again in at First um, Two Timothy one seven a for God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love. The Greek word Paul uses for love is agape, which mean which means really unselfishness. It pictures. A demonstrative love that seeks the highest good of another person. Again, so encouraging. And we can learn from that love uh, Paul gives to his spiritual ti- uh, uh, child, Timothy. And guess where that type of love is learned. Where does a child usually first see agape, love in the flesh? Of course, in a mother who gets up without complaint at all hours of the night to comfort a sick child. In a mother who continuously cooks and cleans So another may be fed and refreshed in a mother who goes the extra mile past boredom to read for the hundredth time the child's favorite story with first-time enthusiasm. I picture my own wife, you know, with the grandchildren, you know, reading the same book again ten times, with the same excitement as she would do the first time. Isn't that exciting? I think it's great, you know, to see the enthusiasm in a, in a mom. No one wears the fabric of selfless love, uh, love quite as naturally and uh, elegantly as a mother does. In another letter, and I want to paraphrase a part.s of, um, the, first uh, Corinthians 13, uh, and in, in preparation for today's, um, sermon, I found a woman that has written a paraphrase. I mean, I'm using the paraphrased living Bible, but I, I couldn't find a paraphrase, of course, of one Corinthians 13, and I want to read it and I, As uh, you will can read it in, in my back here. If you talk to my children about what is right and what is wrong, but have not laugh, I am like a ringing doorbell or pots banging in the kitchen. And though I know what stages they will go through and understand their growing pains and can answer all their questions about life and believe myself to be a devoted mother but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give up the fulfillment of a career to make my children's life better and stay up all night sewing costumes or baking cookies on short notice but grumble about lack of sleep, I have not loved and accomplished nothing. A loving mother is patient with her children's immaturity and kind even when they are not. A loving mother is not jealous of their youth, nor does she hold it over their heads whenever she has sacrificed for them. A loving mother does not push her children into doing things her way. She is not irritable when the chicken box have kept her confined with three uh, whining children for two weeks and does not resent the child who brought the affliction home in the first place. That's a mother. A loving mother is not relieved when her disagreeable child finally disobeys her directly and she cannot punish him, but rather rejoices with him when he is being more cooperative. A loving mother bears much of the responsibility of her children. She believes in them. She hopes in each Individual's ability to stand as a um, as a light in a dark world. She endures every back ache and heart ache to accomplish that. A loving mother never really dies. How exciting to know! Some others have died. Mine certainly, but she never dies. She never dies. As for home baked bread, it will be consumed and forgotten. As for spotless floors, they will soon gather dust and heal marks. As for children, well, right now, toys, friends, and food are all important to them, but when they grow up, it will have been how their mother loved them that will determine how they love. Others In that way, she will live on. So care, training, and a loving mother reside in a home. These three. But the greatest of this is a loving mother. Well, here you have it. 1 Corinthians 13 paraphrased from a woman. I didn't paraphrase it. So it's quite a challenge. There is yet another seed. We've talked about love. There is yet another seed planted by Timothy's heart. It's self control. Self control. Take a final look at 2 Timothy 1 7, this time noting the closing word. 2 Timothy 1 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power. And love and discipline. Self discipline, also referred as a, as self control, is the ability to say no when the majority says yes. Can you see in nowadays time how important that is? Indeed, it is the ability to say yes when everyone else says no. Don't you think that is an increasingly rare trait today in the surroundings of your life? Moms balance your tenderness and love with discipline. Moms set parameters. Moms teach your children self-control. Moms know when it is time to say, that is, that's it. That's far enough. That's a mom saying. A while ago, a research project was done over a number of years studying, I don't know, nearly 2,000 boys in their families. There were three important Differences identified between the family of boys with high self-esteem and those with low self-esteem. And I found that very interesting. Well, first of all, the high-esteemed children were more loved and appreciated at home. Their parents' love was deep and real. Their words had substance. And second, perhaps more more revealing, they are the high esteem group had parents whose approach to discipline was significantly more strict. They taught self-control through that. Practical self-control. In contrast, the parents of The low self, low esteem group were much more permissive. They could do whatever they would like, uh, creating a sense of insecurity. These boys were more likely to feel that no one really cared enough to enforce the rules. And third, the high esteem group had homes characterized By democracy and open communication, uh, once boundaries had been established, firm boundaries, the boys had the freedom to ask questions and express themselves in an environment of acceptance. Dear mom, may I confront you? Dear mom, do not underestimate the value of self-control. In your discipline, you are building your children's character, strengthening their self-esteem and helping them learn to be responsible for themselves. Let me tell you, a mother's heart is the schoolroom where the child learns the ABCs of life. In this very classroom, it is there where tenderness is translated into its subtle nuances. It is there where faith is multiplied. It is the place where confidence is read aloud. In this classroom, love is brought into all its tenses. It is there where self-discipline stands as a monitor. This is why it is said, and that's something I've heard quite often, one good mother is worth a hundred schoolmasters. One good mother is worth a hundred Schoolmasters, finally, I do remember times in my childhood when my mum planted the seed of transparent tenderness. Do you as well? I'll give you a moment of time. Think about your mum just now. I remember the times when I was sick I shall never forget pillows fluffed up and carefully positioned the thing I remember best the tender touch of my mom's hand on my forehead a cool washcloth uh, reassured me that everything everything would be all right it spoke the the healing truth that I was loved that I belonged, that somebody really cared if I was sick, that there was someone there that was bigger than myself. In that, in a touch, a tender healing hand. Can you recall a special way your mother modeled transparent tenderness? Or what about Authentic Christianity. Now I'm realized that there may be uh, brothers or sisters that are first generation Christian that they may not have experienced that, um, or maybe inner confidence, demonst- demonstrative love, or maybe self control. Children and grandchildren laugh to hear about their mummies, daddies, their grandmothers and grandfathers. Um, were little. So why not tell them, maybe this afternoon or the coming week, whenever you are getting together, how your mother sowed a seed of transparent tenderness in your life when you were a child. Tell the story. I want to encourage you to do so. Then encourage them to talk about also, I mean, this uh, is openness in a family? Then encourage them to talk about those times when they sense that same tenderness coming from you, or perhaps how you can do better—a better job of sowing that seed in their lives. It's not criticizing; it's openness to dare to be open. And was one last thing. Well, just to repeat myself, it's Mother's Day today. If possible, thank your mom for the godly seeds she planted in you. You can never pay her back, but you can bring her great joy by letting her see how those seeds are blossoming in your life. May the Lord be with you not only today. And I want to encourage you to be that positive towards your mom. Not only today. I mean, it's today a special day where we are reminded to do so. But I think it's a constant reminder. And whenever you read 2 Timothy, the, um, uh, the first couple of verses, Think of Mother's Day 2022. Lord Jesus... We thank you for the great testimony of our mothers, the patience, the compassion, and the love. And we also reminded this morning that this exactly reflects your love. Thank you that we can learn, that you give us the chance to learn. And we thank you again for the mothers that really reflected that kind of love and patience. Thank you that you bless even the mothers that are present here. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are with us, that we are also an encouraging part of this world in patience and love. We thank you for this morning, for this special time and for your blessings with us over the weeks and days to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.